Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Lou Burney. Now, Lou has several novels. Uh, his most recent one, November Road, has been cleaning up uh, when it comes to awards during 2019. Most recently, uh, he won the Anthony for Best Novel at uh, BoucherCon in Dallas. And I think he won the Lefty Award at Left Coast Crime for that as well. Uh, and uh, there are probably some that I didn't even bother looking up because uh, he's just knocking it out of the park in that in that respect. More importantly, uh, the book is a tremendous book. It's really well written um, and right up there with uh, the best books that I've read this year. Uh, even more importantly than that, <laughs> the level of success that he is enjoying right now while it is deserved on a talent level alone, uh, it's something that uh, you're glad to see because he's such a genuinely nice guy. Uh, but he took the time to uh, come and be on the podcast, and I, I, I certainly appreciate it. I think you're going to enjoy uh, what he has to say. Uh, before we talk to Lou, though, I do want to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down Out Books is an up-and-coming mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If this interests you, uh, you can go to downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. Uh, and so without further ado, let's talk to Anthony Award-winning author Lou Burney. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Lou. Oh, thanks for having me, Frank. Great to be here. Tremendous success for you recently um, with uh, November Road, uh, but uh, and that is the book that I actually first came to know who you were uh, through. Uh, I don't think I'm necessarily alone in that, but uh, for anybody who thinks you're an overnight success, uh, that that would actually not be very accurate. You're, this is your fourth novel, at least, uh, and it's not the first one to do pretty well. Yeah, no, I've been I've been writing novels for a while now, almost uh, almost ten years now, um, writing crime novels, and um, I'm just really happy the way each one has kind of developed on the last. The first two, interestingly enough, uh, even though they're not poker novels, both take their title from a poker term. Right. Yeah. Um, Gutshot Straight and Whiplash River are both, you know, sort of Elmore Leonard caper novels in. They're not about poker, like you said, but they're they're about taking chances and taking reckless gambles as a way to kind of change your life. So that's where the titles kind of fit in with those. And and what what exactly do they stand for there? What's a gut shot straight? A gut shot straight is an inside straight draw. It's basically uh, that's a long shot. If you're still in the game hoping for a gut shot straight, you're in trouble. But <laughs> there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. And so, uh -huh. uh, so that's kind of like a lot of my characters are at that point where like one last shot. And Whiplash River. That's when you're kind of praying for that last card to be what you need it. You know, it's the in poker, it's called the river card, the last card that's uh -huh. uh, that's dealt in, in Hold'em. And you kind of like, uh, sometimes you'll get a card that just gives everyone a whiplash because uh, it, it turns the game around. Uh, comes out of nowhere and makes the mm -hmm. weakest right. hand the winner or something like that. Exactly. Ah. Uh, well, that one was the first one of the four that actually got some... Uh, Got some love from the uh, award circuit. It was nominated for an Edgar and an Anthony. Uh, two very different awards, really. Yeah, I mean, um, the the Edgar is such a, I mean, it's a juried, uh, judged award. 
um, you know, with some really respected people always picking the books. But then the Anthony is great because you, you get the whole the whole community really voting on, on, on the books they like the best. So when the critics and the fans agree, you're probably talking about a pretty decent piece of art. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. Would hope so. <laughs> well, that, that definitely went the same route when you wrote The Long and Far Away Gone. Uh, that one actually looks like one, like five different awards at least, according to your website here. Yeah, that one, that one, won, that one, the Edgar and the Anthony and the Barry, the McCavity, um, and uh, a couple of others. So I was really thrilled about the success for, for for that book. Do any of these first three have recurring characters, or are they all standalones? The first two are uh, recurring characters. The first two are part of a series, um, but after that, I've been writing standalones, and that's kind of where my my heart is right now. And then we get to November Road, which uh, really broke the internet for a little while. It seemed like. Uh, Another big winner. I, the awards aren't on your on your website, but it uh, it's done pretty well as well. November Road won the, the Lefty Award at Left Coast Crime. That's right. And, um, it won the Dashiell Hammett novel for best crime novel of the year, which was was a really huge honor. It's up it's up for the Anthony. It's a finalist for best novel with Anthony, which will be announced in a couple of weeks. It's up for the Barry. It's up for the McCavity. So still still some returns to come in, but so far I've been very happy. Uh, well, you're not the only one. Uh, a lot of readers, and and you got some pretty high praise from a pretty high-profile author uh, that some people may have heard of. Uh, Stephen King really liked your book. Yeah, yeah, I'd heard of that guy uh, somewhere. Uh, <laughs> that was a that was an amazing thing to see that on Twitter. He tweeted about the book out of nowhere for me. I was like, I had no idea that idea that was coming. Um, it kind of blew my mind that someone, you know, like Stephen King, who my whole life I've sort of been inspired by uh mm-hmm. you know what he's done with popular fiction and and uh so to have that come out of nowhere was really amazing to me yeah it's a short quote so i think i'll just read it here if you don't mind um he he said when people say they want to read a really good novel the kind you just can't put down this is the kind of book they mean exceptional that's pretty high praise yeah man especially from someone like stephen king i mean i, I couldn't have, i literally could not have asked for anything better than that did that have a pretty big impact on the on on the visibility of the book? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Stephen King is sort of um, one of those writers, one of the very few writers who can make an impact. Uh, he has you know a ton of Twitter followers. He has a ton of people who who listen and re- listen to him and respect him. And so when someone like like that speaks out, it has an outsized uh, influence. I think you know it's so there's not many people in the book business who have that kind of weight they can throw around and he does it so generously, you know, helping other writers. That's kind of what it's about. I think uh, rather than pulling up the ladder behind you, once you're in the treehouse, uh, actually trying to, to help more people get up there. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the crime, the crime world, the crime fiction world, especially, um, you know, the rule is really generous, helpful writers. And, and the exception would be someone who's, who's sort of, uh, you know, running away from all that. So, and, and I know those people, exist i mean i've heard stories i guess but i've not once met anyone that fits that bill and and i haven't been to a million conferences but i've been to more than a few and i've I've been doing this podcast now for a couple of years and i I mean i haven't had a jerk guest yet i haven't ran into somebody who was like that at a conference and and i think that says a lot for the uh you know for the community well we're not done yet frank (laughs) 
six minutes. Like, I'll, I'll see if I can break the tradition. <laughs> Jerk it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to happen because uh, you're a pretty self-deprecating guy. Uh, you know, and having met you briefly there at Left Coast Crime and seen you on some panels, and even even your bio is 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 pretty self deprecating. It made, it cracked me up because you you talked about your your previous jobs, and you said that between twelve and nineteen, you were fired from like nine different jobs. Yeah, <laughs> is that true, or did you just yeah. make that up? No, no, that's absolutely true. That's an under underestimate too. I mean, I got fired a lot um, in my teenage years uh, for all sorts of different reasons. Usually, just being lazy and incompetent. Um, but luckily, I haven't have been fired since. Which is my wife always reminds me it's because I haven't ever had a real boss. Since <laughs> I kind of work for myself. And like, <laughs> but I still think I would have been all right. Uh, I've kind of cleaned up my act. Uh, well, it's kind of funny when the, in the description here you've got a couple of the early ones. Uh, Fired for dereliction of duty or general incompetence, and then you get to photo darkroom attendant, and you list dereliction of duty, general incompetence, and inappropriate use of darkroom. So yeah. there's got to be a story there. Yeah, there's stories there. Those will come in some novel someday, maybe. You know, uh, those are the things that you you got to monetize. You can't just give them podcast. <laughs> All right, then I can accept that. Uh, we mentioned Stephen King a few minutes ago. He delved into this uh, era of American history too, the the Kennedy assassination with eleven twenty two sixty three. Have you read that book yet? Yeah, I love that book. I, I, I read it a couple times actually. It, it might it might be it's certainly I think in my top three of his books. Uh, it might yep. be the, the best. You, you kind of approach uh, the whole thing differently. Obviously, his is a little bit more of a oh, what would you call? It? There's a little bit of a, kind of a science fiction element yep. to it and a horror element to it. And yours is, is crime fiction, but you both had to do a lot of research, I imagine, into the assassination. And and while yours is not about the assassination per se, it, it feels like uh, you're on firm ground when it comes to the research that you did. Did you do a lot? Yeah, I did a ton. I didn't. I didn't want to make my book about the Kennedy assassination or, or sort of a conspiracy, but I knew that I wanted that just to be the starting point. But I knew I wanted my version to be plausible. Like I didn't want to just throw something out there. So mm-hmm. I did a ton and ton of research and um, kind of settled on you know a version of events that is actually something that very likely could have happened. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm behind it necessarily, but there's there's not a lot of holes in that particular theory and so it was it was really fun and fascinating to do all that research and there's just so much of it man mm-hmm. it's just crazy crazy how many theories there are about what might have happened it's a whole yeah. industry almost yeah definitely but the mob did it is probably one of the top three i would say i mean the cia or the the government somehow is probably right. another uh, and then there's the unpopular contingent uh, the lone assassin contingent uh, but those those have always seemed to me to be the top three supported theories. Did you find something different uh, in your own research? No, that's it. I mean, in, in that community, it's interesting. They have sort of shorthand for a lot of that stuff too. So, you know, there's all, there's like two camps. There's the, the, the theorists, and there's what, what they call the lone nutters, which are the people who believe the Bible. <laughs> I just love that they're called lone nutters. And uh, now, I mean, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, even the mob is interesting to me. Is like you know, the mob was not monolithic in the 50s. Sure. So there's actually like minimum four different mob guys who could have been behind it. You know, Carlos Marcello in New Orleans, um, Traficante in Miami, Giancana in, in Chicago, um, 
Genovese in New York. I mean, so it's like it's it's fascinating that kind of web, the overlapping web of American life in the 50s and 60s and how it all kind of connects in a weird way. And no spoilers here, but uh, one of the two main characters in your book is is a you know mob associate who knows something about what went down and has to go on the run. I think that's probably on the jacket, so I don't believe I'm giving anything yeah, right, away there. Right. Uh, Frank Guidry, I think, is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he crosses paths with the other main character, uh, Charlotte. Uh, she's kind of on the run, too. Not even kind of. She is on the run, too, with her kids running from a bad marriage. Was this the original idea that you had, or did it develop into that particular uh, story? I mean, the original idea was definitely about worlds uh, colliding, like two really different worlds, the world of this, you know, 1963 housewife and mother, or she's not a housewife, she works, but like small town Oklahoma, colliding with big city mob stuff. Like I always knew that, but originally it was all going to be set in a small town, and there was going to be a hitman sent up to hide out or cool off in the small town, and and that just wasn't working for me, so I ended up putting both characters on the road and on the run, and that sort of unlocked, you know, everything. You know, that's like you, you kind of realize, like, why didn't I think of that at the beginning? Of course, they need to be on the run together, and and meet that way. But uh, originally, it was all going to be pretty static in a small town. But luckily, I came to my senses and realized that that was not the right approach. There's nothing static about it. it even before the characters go on the run, it's a pretty dynamic set of events charlotte actually she uh, works at a camera shop right she works in a dark room <laughs> yep yep i definitely got that just a little bit from my dark room experience and also my mother um would tell me stories my mother used to work at a photography studio back in the 50s and 60s where she hand tinted black and white photo portraits with uh, oil paint and so wow. uh, that little detail from the stories she used to tell me uh i think i read uh that Charlotte was uh, largely inspired, or at least partially inspired, by your own mother. Yep, yep, definitely. She's definitely my mom. Definitely inspired that character. I mean, it's it's a character that very quickly became its own thing, her own thing. But my mother was definitely a, a source of fuel for that that character as it went along. When I mentioned you were a little self-deprecating earlier, uh, another word that I could have used is uh, I, I get the sense that you're a little bit on the shy side about some things. At least, uh, is that a fair statement? Uh, shy. Well, I'm not shy. My wife would definitely tell you. Oh, okay. But I, I tend to, I probably, you know, I mean, I don't like to talk about myself very much. I, I prefer to talk about other things, but uh, that's fair. I, you know, I was at Left Coast Crime and they threw you up uh, to the wolves. Uh, they threw you on the, the uh, sex panel there, and uh, which was pretty hilarious because of some right. of the other people on the panel. Lori. Lori Raider Day was there, and I think was Katrina McPherson on that panel as well. I don't know if Katrina was. Holly West was the model. Holly West was. Holly West was, and she is hilarious. Holly is. Yeah, I know Holly. I know Holly pretty well, and I know Lori, and I know some of the other people. So it was a really fun panel. It was kind of crazy, but everybody, everybody, I think, felt pretty comfortable just because they knew knew each other and mm-hmm. were having fun. Well, and you told a story on that panel about uh, there. There's a particular scene in this book that uh, early on that uh, it's a sex scene and that has garnered some attention, and your wife and your your agent and I can't remember the other person, another woman, you, you never really talked a whole lot about it. And they chose an interesting time to start having that conversation. Yeah, it was my, uh, it was my, my editor's a woman. My publicist is a woman. My publisher's a woman. And my wife of course is a woman. And they waited until I was trapped in a car with them on the highway and couldn't escape before they brought up and decided to just start discussing my sex scene, which was really, really embarrassing. And, uh, and I tried to like almost wanted to kick out the window and escape. 
but I did nothing. But they're they're smart. Uh, but yeah, all my friends, I have never lived down that sex scene. It was important to the book, you know. I'll put it in there. It is. But I paid the price for sure afterwards. What's your feeling on that in general? Do you think the community is pretty responsible in 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 using that sort of scene in a you know a necessary way, a way that forwards the story, or is it? Uh, are we are we Cinemax at night? <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of good books that use um, sex very smartly in in the crime world, and there's some that are you know do it badly. But that's just like anything else. It's if it's a motivated scene, if there's a reason for it, if it reveals character. And, an interesting way it's great and i see that a lot but you know if it's gratuitous just like with gratuitous violence or anything mm-hmm. gratuitous i don't see a lot of use for it when you were uh, working on november road when you got to the end of that uh sent it off to your your editor did you have a feeling that it was going to do as well as it did or were you already planning the next one because this one was going to bomb <laughs> i was definitely on to the next well i was thinking about the next one but whenever i send a book in it's it's more about like Am I happy with it or not, as opposed to will it do well or not? Like I'm kind of at the stage in my life and career where I can distinguish better than I used to about the things I can control and the things I can't. And so I can make it as good a book as I can, but after that, a little bit out of my hands. So I just focus, like, am I happy with this book? And when I sent in November Road, I was really happy with what I'd done. And so I was very, very content and satisfied uh, with that. It has been successful. What are some of the things that uh, have happened as a result of the success that have surprised you or that you've, you know, really gotten a thrill out of? The best thing for me is um, meeting people, meeting readers. Like I did a long book tour. It was like gone for like six weeks all over the country. And I've done a ton of book clubs and library clubs. And I just love talking to readers about my my books but also all books and so mm-hmm. to me that's been the best part of uh, having a bigger audience is just more people to meet and and hear what they think about what i'm doing that's been really awesome you know writing about the you know early 60s 1963 and certainly the impact that the jfk assassination had but it was a very different time yeah yeah it was it was a completely different time i mean it's it was kind of a before and after picture of america you know um mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of things were one way before the early 60s and a lot of stuff changed really rapidly after that. Do you think taking a look at that uh, transitional period, those transitional moments, uh, even through the eyes of a couple that's on the run, uh, helps inform, you know, where we are today at all? Uh, Boy, that's a tough question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think um, I think there's definitely some parallels uh and I think sometimes it brings comfort to think like, all right, you know, this country's been through a lot. And so it's going through a lot now. And it's, you know, the sort of the global perspective. But at the same time, every every twist of history is new and you just don't know what's coming down the pipe. You know, that book, uh, no spoilers here, but uh, that book really kind of has three different endings. It has an ending for each character and then it has an epilogue. And I, and I have to tell you, um, I found all three of those endings to be extraordinarily satisfying, and that's a rare—that's a rare feat to pull off. I mean, even Thank you, Thank you. I mean, even Stephen King struggles with endings sometimes. You know, endings are tough. I mean, the endings are really, really tough to make. You know, both kind of surprising but also satisfying. And so, you know, you're always happy as a writer when when you hit just the right chord. I think, and I was really mm-hmm. happy with the way with the way November road worked out. I mean, I went through a lot of different versions of different endings, but um, I think that's, that's part of it. The willingness to keep, you know, keep taking a shot until it feels right. Total non sequitur here, but uh, I thought, I think I saw a tweet of you throwing out a first pitch at a baseball game recently. 
Yeah, I did. It wasn't recent. It was last summer. I um, the uh, New York Yankees always invite uh, a couple of uh, authors and novelists with books coming out to throw out the first pitch uh, during the season, and so I was incredibly fortunate enough to get to do it last last summer. <laughs> uh, and it was it was I'm a lifelong Yankee fan too, so that made it even more special. So oh, that wow. was that was a big deal. Yeah, it was terrifying, yeah. unbelievably terrifying, but it was uh, it was one of the funnest most exciting experiences of my life uh, did, did you play ball when you were a kid in high school yeah so, so you didn't have to worry about making it uh making oh, it I to worried. the plate no no i worried believe me it's <laughs> a long time i've thrown a baseball and they don't let you warm up beforehand and it's a long way from the mound to the plate uh much longer than than i think people realize so uh I was I was more than worried for weeks in advance. Believe me, <laughs> trying to avoid that wild pitch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did it turn out? Did you did you get it, it across the good. plate? Yep, I got it. I didn't bounce it. I did not get booed. Those are my two goals: was not to bounce the ball and not get booed by the Yankee Stadium crowd. <laughs> the picture on Twitter was really cool because it's a, a shot of you in the windup, you know, and then in the background you can see. I think it says like best-selling author. Lou Bernie or something like that. I mean, uh, even if you're a humble person, that's a frame it in the study sort of picture. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Were you surprised by anything that happened in, in, in November Road? I mean, uh, you talked about the endings and different endings. Did did the characters push you to those endings? Did they surprise you along the way? Or were you firmly firmly in control of every event? No, I'm, for sure I was surprised at every turn, really. I mean, I try. I do a lot of outlining and planning, but then I leave it, leave it open for a lot of improvisation and discovery. So I would say, you know, I was constantly surprised by what was happening. And, and always, like, different characters would assert themselves other characters would fade back into the woodwork that i thought would be important but ended up not in um different plot turns so i I, as a as a writer i'm probably happiest when i'm getting surprised uh, as often as possible do you think that translates to the reader when they're when the writer is experiencing that and you know kind of an energy that transfers it that they can enjoy the story more I hope so. I hope so. Like, I'm not sure. You know, you always wonder. I mean, I think every writer is different. Every process is different. And probably some books that, like, seem very surprising and natural to me are carefully plotted out. So I don't really know. But I'd certainly hope that energy translates into my books. What would you hope someone would take away from November Road? If they've never never heard of you, never, never read any of your work, they sit down and crack open the cover. And uh, when they get to the end, what would you like them to walk away with? I just, I mean, I just, uh, I wanted it to be a book that um, is hard to put down. I mean, that was, that's my goal. I want it to be a, like a, a fast, fun, entertaining read that's also, you know, got some emotion and some intelligence in it. And I want it to be the full package. And it's about people who, who change or have the opportunity to change. And to me, that's like kind of the most interesting part of the human story. Uh, are you superstitious about talking about uh, what you're working on now? Yes. Okay, then we'll skip that. (laughs) No, no worries. Uh, Are you headed to Bouchercon in a a week or two? Headed headed down to Bouchercon in a couple weeks. Looking forward to it all. I got so many good friends down there now, and I love meeting new people. So it's uh, it's always my favorite time of the year. Well, I'll hopefully run into you and uh, shake hands or raise a glass or something along those lines. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be great. Awesome. Everybody knows about November Road by this uh, point, but it is available everywhere. You you might be able to get a book. And uh, Lou, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me, Frank. It's been a really fun conversation. I appreciate it. 
Well, there you are, folks. Uh, fun conversation. Super nice guy. Uh, like I mentioned in the intro, it's really nice to see when somebody's talented and a good person uh, that uh, they have success. It makes it easy to root for them, for sure. We talked about some of Lou's other books, and I am in the midst right now, about uh, three quarters of the way through, reading The Long and Far Away Gone. I might like it better than November Road. I'm not I'm not sure, but it's damn close. Uh, really well done book and well worth your time. So I would uh, heartily recommend it. And Lou, if you're listening, if I had known you were a Springsteen fan, we would have had a conversation, my friend, uh, being a big Springsteen fan myself. Uh, but probably lucky for you that didn't happen. We would have been on for an hour. So The Long and Far Away Gone, definitely worth your time. Uh, November Road. Very much worth your time. Uh, I want to say thanks to Lou for coming on the show. And I want to say thanks to you, the listener, for firing up this podcast and and giving it a listen. So I appreciate your loyalty and and your time. We're going to go on a little bit of a break for the Thanksgiving holiday, but we'll be back in December. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. (laughs) 